Enjoy the horror fun, Doctor. And don't forget to watch the big giveaway afterwards. Why, Cochrane? Why? Do I need a reason? Mr. Cuffer was right, you know. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. But there's a better reason. You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Sacrifices are part of our world, our craft. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment. And it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. And... Happy Halloween. something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Suck like that one, you cheap dime store. Welcome to a special Silver Shamrock installment of the greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. 
and this is episode number 247, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, Revisited. I would say the uh, crowned jewel of the Greatest Moments Dynasty. <laughs> well, at least that first year. Yeah. <laughs> we were real proud of ourselves I know. the first time around with this one. I, I, it's like if you went back to this episode, it has to be so unlistenable. But I think there was some gold in it. Yeah. But yeah, as far as our current standards, it was probably pretty rough. We definitely held it up as the golden child of uh, of all our episodes. And I do think there was some good stuff there. I think it was the first time that we were able to capture what we wanted the show to be. Yeah. And then we're never really able to recapture that again. <laughs> Sporadically, <laughs> yeah, maybe. But... At best. Yes. So yes, we're closing out the greatest October of 2021 with a revisited episode. I don't know how we're going to top it. Actually, it probably shouldn't be that hard, considering it was <laughs> yeah. one of the episodes that had technical difficulties. That's true. That and just it just buzzing during oh, the it, it audio. just sounds like you're just like underwater for like two minutes. Yeah. It was the first time I think it happened. And we were just, just leave it. Everything stays. Yeah, folks. For those of you who are accustomed to the silky smooth <laughs> audio sounds of today That's with right, this podcast, yeah. we really did not know what we were doing. Just flat out. Well, we still don't, but we've pulled it together in a much more professional sounding way. We know a little bit more now. Sure. At that point, we knew nothing. When something goes wrong, though, we still don't know what's up. We're like, you know, unplugging every mic and plugging it back in. (laughs) That was happening a lot back then. All right. So before we get into one of our favorite movies to talk about, Halloween 3. And to watch. Let's do the usual housekeeping. Reminding everyone to follow us on Twitter, at Pod, and make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts. Please give us a rating and review if you enjoy the show. It really makes us feel good to see what people have to say. Yeah, we'd like to finish the year strong with some uh, nice positive reviews. If possible. Sure. If you'd like a sticker, let us know on Twitter. Been a little quiet on that front. Haven't had to send one out in a while. I'm willing to write a personalized note. <laughs> I'm back at that. Yeah, we're handing out stickers. If you'd like a listener request, let us know. We'll try to get to it as soon as possible. And you can find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, and Matt Crosby. If you're new to the show, this year we introduced the idea of revisited episodes where we record a brand new episode, but we talk about a topic that we did in the early days of the show. Which is... A great idea by you, I would say. It's one that at one point I said would never happen. (laughs) On the show, I said that. And yeah, we were doing it. That's right. At one point, I used to envision a scenario where we start a new show and would do topics that we've done before. And you were like, no, this is it. This is the show. And if once we've done an episode, that's it. Right. Well, we're not like we're deleting the old ones. No, I know. It's good, though, that you've evolved over time. I think it's for the better. This is the third one we've done. We did Silence of the Lambs and Wonder Boys. Like this the, is Matt's second pick. We each picked two for this year. Matt picked Wonder Boys and Halloween 3. Really just right on the pulse of what people <laughs> want to hear podcasts about. Yeah, but it's like you got to have the ones that you want to do. That's true. And we want to do this one. Although when you picked it, I was shocked. I could not believe that you picked this. Because you just felt like the one that we did should always be the one of record? I guess. 
I thought we were picking ones that we knew were terrible, and we always held this one up as good. I know we did, but I knew it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but there's still worse ones than this. Definitely. Absolutely. It's just such a fun topic to talk about. It's been long enough. I think of the people that listen to the show now, most of the people that knew the original Halloween 3 are gone. Okay. They're no longer with us. <laughs> On Earth. No. Yeah, in case people were confused, we used the revisited theme instead of the Greatest October theme, shaking it up. Yeah, great work revisited with that. Revisited supersedes it. Yeah, a little bit of a bummer there. I love the Greatest October theme, my favorite, but you know, you did great work with the revisited theme, and I think it needs its play. The first time we talked about Halloween 3, it was our 14th episode, and it was on March 14th, 2016. Yikes. What a just different world at that time. Yeah, it ran 59 minutes. I'm sure we're going to go over that now. <laughs> I'm sure we worked for those 59 minutes, too. Sweating. You know what I mean? That was long for us in those days. I know. Now we get to like an hour and 40 minutes, and it's like, okay, so the movie opens up with... <laughs> <laughs> Halloween 3 was written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, although... That writing credit is a little suspect. We'll we'll circle back to that in a bit, mm-hmm. but that is how it's officially credited. But a, a guy that we're uh, quite fond of for some of his other work. Sure, and fond of his love life. That's right. Yeah, that. yeah. A good eye for talent, you'd say. The budget was two point five million, and the box office ended up being fourteen point four million. So it was technically wow. a hit, although it was considered a bomb because people were so disappointed with it. It seems like it's remembered as like a colossal bomb. It was the lowest Halloween box office gross for a while. I'll tell you what, I'd love to put out $2.5 million and recoup a $14 million profit. Well, I guess the profit's only $12 million, but still, to me, if that's a failure, I'd love to fail. I think the only one that would go on to be lower is Halloween 5, which is wow. strange. I'm not sure. Maybe Halloween 6 as well, but Halloween 5 is definitely lower than 3. If I had to pick, I would have thought Halloween 6 would be the lowest. <laughs> maybe enough years had passed. Yeah. I don't know. Where people were excited again. It maybe opened on the right weekend, although I think it opened the same weekend as 7. I feel like 4 is okay, and I feel like if they were riding the wave of 4, like 5 would have drawn some interest, but... Who's to say? That was a back-to-back situation in terms of the years, so maybe people were a little over We're over this. Yeah, I don't know how much we're going to spend on the Halloween franchise in general. I think think we've talked about it at length, although I I do think the next time that we rank the Halloween movies, your list is going to be considerably different than... Oh, dude, if people want to go back to last year's episode on the original 1978 Halloween, I was making all kinds of statements that I know I don't agree with now. I was so dismissive yeah. of the Rob Zombie Halloweens, and oh, now I know. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is like one of my favorites That was like one series. of those moments where you had to like text me and be like, I know this is going to be a shock, but my feelings on Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 have completely 180'd. Yeah, finally, after so many attempts at right. getting there. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll save all of the Halloween franchise discussion for the end, if there's going to be any. I think we're mostly going to discuss... The new film, Halloween Kills. So if you haven't seen it yet, we'll give some warning, a spoiler alert warning. It is available on Peacock, and it's still in theaters, too. Yeah. So we'll give a warning. That'll serve as our recommendation at the end of the episode. We'll discuss Halloween Kills a little bit. 
What are your thoughts on Peacock as the name of a streaming service? I got to tell you, I don't think it's that great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so the big thing about Halloween 3 is it does not feature Michael Myers, and it's clear that producers John Carpenter, who of course directed the original film and, mm-hmm. and wrote the second film as well. Although famously it does actually have Michael Myers in it, which is funny. Yeah, in a because, commercial. Right, I know, but it is funny because people always say it's like, oh, it's the one without Michael Myers. Right. And then it becomes one of those weird, annoying troll things to be like, well, he is in it, though. Speaking of annoying trolls. That's right. <laughs> Although I have come around to this idea of, and now I want to live in this universe where Halloween 2 doesn't exist, and it's like Halloween 2 is actually the fog, and then Halloween 3 is Season of the Witch, and it just goes on like the Halloween series is this whole other thing. So you're thing. getting rid of Halloween 2 altogether? Y- yeah. Okay. And that's it. It it does become this anthology series. Oh, okay. I got you. I, I'm into it if, if we go that path. So the thing is that Carpenter and Hill severely underestimated the appeal of Michael Myers. Halloween 3 turned into a departure and a rejection of the first two films in almost every way. It's not a slasher film. It doesn't feature the character that people knew and loved. By this point, you're entering... Friday the 13th Part 3, which, of course, debuted after Halloween, but they're already on their third one. Now, granted, as we talked about recently, Jason is not the killer in the first one, but he's being developed into this thing. People are expecting a certain thing, and instead, Carpenter, Deborah Hill, and Tommy Lee Wallace, amongst others, thought that it would be a good idea to do an anthology series centered around the night of Halloween, each year releasing a different movie under that banner. Mm-hmm. And then each movie could have its own subsequent sequels. So it was this idea to have this huge thing all built out of an anthology idea. And in a vacuum, that is a great idea. I love it. But unfortunately, you already named an iconic movie Halloween. That's right. And so by calling this movie Halloween 3, they back you're setting certain expectations with yeah. an audience. And folks... 1982, when this movie came out, is not like 2021. People did not have the internet. There weren't as many TVs, yeah. TV channels. You weren't seeing commercials. A lot of people who went to the theater right. for Halloween 3 did not know that this was something completely different. If, if Halloween 2 doesn't exist and it's the fog is Halloween 2, it kind of feels like what they did with American Horror Story where like a lot of the same actors are... Appearing yeah. in things because the fog is Jamie Lee Curtis and Tom Atkins, and then Tom Atkins is in Halloween three, and you got Jamie Lee Curtis just showing up just to do like a, a voice appearance, and of course Annie Brackett appears as a character Linda in Halloween three. I can get myself wrapped into this world, and and I dig it. Right, and you know my feelings on Halloween two. I don't think it's particularly great. Right, although I will say that a lot of people do like it. I like it more than you, I would say. So I don't know that everyone's going to be as eager to just get rid of it in history. Yeah, I know. But I do think it would be this whole other world that I can kind of get behind if if that's the way it had played out. I think the producers were more open to Carpenter's ideas for part three. I don't know that they would have been down with that for part two. Right. The people paying for it. Sure. I think they wanted more of the same. Because Halloween 1 ends with Michael not there. The sequel potential is set up right from the get-go right if they had gone the anthology route for halloween 2 i think people would have been incensed even more 
So my love for Halloween 3 didn't start until probably the last decade of my life. As a kid, I always knew it, like many others, as the one that didn't have Michael Myers, although he does make an appearance. Weirdly enough, when I was in middle school, I remember talking to some girl about the Halloween movies, and she was like, you know, talking about Halloween 3 before I'd seen it, and she was like, well, yeah, Michael Myers isn't in that one, but it's, it's about the masks. That's the way she described it to me. So I always had this idea in my head that what this was about was there was something up with the mask that caused people to be, like, fucked up. Right. And that ties back to the Michael Myers mask. So I had this idea that's like, Michael Myers isn't in it, but it kind of explains why. Like an origin story, like a prequel without him. it's not that. Right. (laughs) Although I do feel like there was a missed opportunity to kind of put, like, an Easter egg, tie that in a little bit at the Silver Shamrock factory. Yeah, there are little nods and stuff, but it's never that. Right in-depth it's more like like there's just one of like the shatner masks right i don't know seemed like they could have done that so audiences did feel like there was a little bit of a bait and switch there was a massive feeling of disappointment john carpenter and deborah hill were involved carpenter did one of the rewrites on the script although it's not credited both are producers and carpenter did the music as well which we'll talk about in a minute because the music is fucking phenomenal absolutely awesome score to this movie The script originally was written by a guy named Nigel Neal, who had written the Quatermass thing that people like. It's like an English thing. I'm not super familiar with it. But the producers weren't happy with it, including Dino De Laurentiis, who we mentioned a lot. And so they wanted to add more violence, more blood, more kills, because I don't think that Neal's original script had that. Carpenter took a crack at it, and then Tommy Lee Wallace, who they had brought in to direct... Because he was part of the Halloween family. He worked That's extensively right. on the first film. Was he the DP for? No, it was always Dean Cundy, who's also oh, that's on right. this yes. one. Yep, but uh, he did like the production design. He He's created the original Michael mask, basically. Okay, right. Just super involved in Halloween 1. He comes in to direct it after not wanting to direct Halloween 2. And he thought that he was like going to be excommunicated from the Carpenter family, basically. And they didn't care, because I don't think Carpenter really even liked Halloween 2 anyway. Right. And so, yeah, he comes in to direct it. He doesn't like Carpenter's revisions to the script, so he rewrites it. He ends up the only person credited on the script, because... No one else wanted their name attached? Yeah, Neil wanted his name taken off of it, because he didn't like the changes made. I don't think Carpenter cared either way. It ends up turning into a little bit of an homage to the 1956 classic Invasion of the Body Snatchers, directed by Don Siegel. Hearing Wallace talk about that opened my eyes. I've seen multiple versions of the Body Snatchers movies. I think oh, at sure, least yeah. three or four. I like them all. There are like several adaptations of that story. I prefer the 70s version, but the 50s version is cool too. And yet I never really would have put that together that that's what this is. And yet the I town name it. is the same, okay. Santa Mira. No, I didn't know until you said it just now. And the whole ending of this movie does kind of turn into that. In its own unique way. And they definitely considered this more of a pod movie than a slasher or a knife movie, and it's definitely not a slasher movie. They took the title from George Romero's 1973 film, Season of the Witch, which had also, I think, been alternately titled Hungry Wives, which is kind of crazy. Although the plot uh, is completely different. Okay, yeah. Season of the Witch, also a great name for a song. Yeah. One thing that I noticed on this recent viewing was... I felt a lot of influence from the 70s paranoia films like Clute or Three Days of the Condor or The Parallax View or The Conversation. 
things like that. Don't you feel like there's that paranoia vibe to it? A little bit, yeah. That there's that like seems this right. big corporation that's doing something evil that they have to uncover, and there's like a lot of yeah angsty, lonely paranoia feeling to it because it's it's so sparse. There's like barely any people in it at times. That's true. That town is definitely like it. It has a creepy aura to it. There's a little bit of fear of technology thing going on too. It seems like. Oh yeah, for sure. And it is hilarious that they thought that 1982 was like the technological age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was mostly filmed in a town called Lolita, California. Not spelled like the book or movie. It's a little different spelling, but it is pronounced like that. I do want to spend time in this town. That's one of the draws of this movie for me. It's up in Northern California from the stuff I was seeing, which might be a little outdated by now. It does seem like it is very similar looking still it's how could much you the same change a town like this yeah it's iconic yeah, that's right yeah <laughs> it's a national landmark <laughs> <laughs> aesthetically there is some overlap with john carpenter's film the fog because both films did yeah. shoot some stuff in sierra madre both of them have great atmosphere for like on location shooting but i get sucked into those worlds both the fog and halloween three yeah i would say that Aesthetically, they both have a great vibe, a great feel, a great sense of place that sucks you in. And I think specifically in Halloween 3, but even maybe The Fog as well, you can forgive yeah. some of the story shortcomings. Going back to the original Halloween, The Fog, Season 3, the world building, I felt, was at a level that like certainly it didn't seem like Carpenter really carried on later into his career. Yeah, Well, he has a lot of great stuff. In the 80s. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm ready to defend the post-80s stuff as much. Well, I mean, we did go see Vampires. That's true. (laughs) And you did love it. That's true. (laughs) For some reason. (laughs) Two of the stars of the film stand out for me. We have Tom Atkins, of course. Just a legend. We'll be talking about him a lot. Seems like ladies really love him. Absolutely. What's not to love? Those strong shoulders, that mustache. (laughs) Just shaped like a sexy rectangle absolutely it's the way he carries himself really he plays dr chalice a character that mm-hmm. is just unbelievable that's right if they were going to build a statue of someone in, in my apartment that's right <laughs> we know who it would be the other is dano hurley who plays connell cochran he was yeah. an academy award nominated actor wow. for the 1954 film the adventures of robinson crusoe just bringing it as old man cochran I, of course, knew him from uh, season two of Twin Peaks. He, I don't believe, liked the film later. I can't imagine. pretty dismissive of it. (laughs) But I think he had a fun time filming it, just hamming it up a little bit. He's great as Connell Cochran. I almost wish there was more to that character, like we knew more about it. I would have been interested in a little bit more of the background. Because you are like, how does one get here? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, who came up with this plan? Right. What is the plan? Why is Stonehenge involved? As mentioned, there's definitely some holdovers from the Halloween universe. Dick Warlock, who played Michael Myers in Halloween 2, he is in the film as one of the men in suits, one of the evil guys walking around. That's right. The voice of Jamie Lee Curtis is in the film. And of course, our favorite, Nancy Keys. Really? AKA Nancy Loomis. Although by Halloween 3... It seems like she was being credited as Nancy Keys on the 
final closing credits. That's right. The score was done by Carpenter and Alan Howarth. It's awesome. Absolutely. It combines what you already know from Carpenter's work. This is the same year The Thing came out. Yeah. But also Which is so, the Halloween films and everything it, else. It's so weird that Ennio Maricone did the score for The Thing because it seems like a Carpenter score. No, he did stuff with it too. Yeah. But yeah, Escape from New York, etc. had already come out. But it's that blend, but it also has that futuristic vibe to it. Right. And it definitely sounds like an updated modern take on what the stuff he was already doing. Totally. There's parts of it that seem like made for a horror movie. There's other parts of it that seem like it's from like a neo-noir movie. In recent years, Halloween 3 has undergone what I would consider to be a major redemption arc, a critical reevaluation. The anger has subsided over Michael not being in the film. Yeah. It being unrelated to the first two. My memory of it, seeing it at a younger age, was it just seemed like it didn't have the quality of the first two movies. It just seemed like it had like a grainier look. I will say this, watching the 4K since my recent purchase, I'm like, damn, this looks good. Yeah, it does look good. Who would have thought that a movie like Halloween 3 would be released on 4K? It made me believe in 4K. I got to say, before this, I wasn't quite sure about it. (laughs) (laughs) There is a rushed feeling to the film. I'm not going to sugarcoat everything. No. Some of the shots and some of the takes with the acting, if they had more time and a bigger budget, I think they probably would have done more. There are some insanely bad parts of the movie, as much as we love it. I'm not even talking about the story. I'm just talking about the quality of the filmmaking. For sure. The story is ludicrous. Some of the effects are rough to watch well yeah that's a some are fun that's a result of just a low budget and yeah, yeah. It being 1982 there's parts where they do a good job with what they have and then there's other parts where it's like you might have found a different way to do that it is cool though that the film has found this audience and the story of the film finding acceptance and now garnering all this praise and stuff is almost like its own little movie this redemption arc, no one liked us, no one wanted us, uh, we were hated, right. yeah. we were the black sheep of the Halloween family. Now it's become this cult film. It's definitely not strange to see people pick yeah. this as either their favorite Halloween movie or their second favorite. That's right, yeah. I mean, it's my second, and the gap after that is a pretty far drop-off. Like, I love the original. I love watching this one. I love talking about this one. But then after that, it's... The delta there is a pretty big gap. What would you say is the number one reason why you like Halloween 3? I would say forget Old Man Cochran, forget Stonehenge. It's (laughs) the odyssey of one Dr. Daniel Chalice. Just obsessed with ass. Oh, cannot get enough. (laughs) He knows it ruined, it probably ruined his marriage. Booze and young chicks. It's ruining his relationship with his kids. Ruining his life. Him being an absentee father is probably going to have like downstream long-term impacts on them. He's aware of it, and he just can't stop. (laughs) He's just (laughs) such a dog. Well, I think he has it worse for the booze, even. Sure, yeah. Which is nuts, considering he's a surgeon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems like you you really can't afford to have a shaky hand. So Deborah Hill, the great Deborah Hill, involved in all of the early Halloween stuff, longtime partner of John Carpenter, she described the idea for Halloween 3 as, quote, witchcraft, 
in the computer age, which is hilarious. It again, that dumb. they thought that 1982 yeah. was the computer age. Right. <laughs> I was like, I was blown away. I was like, they had computers in 1982. <laughs> like what? No, it doesn't seem dumb. It just seems too out of left field for Halloween. Like right. you know that this is going to be a failure. It's just written on the wall. I know it. Hindsight is 2020. Obviously, Carpenter and Hill did not realize that Michael Myers was going to be this cultural icon that would endure forever. I'm, I'm imagining a coven being like, okay, look, spells and potions and shit are like the way of the past. What we need to do is like hacking. <laughs> we need to bring on No, some what we coders. need to do is get a piece of Stonehenge. <laughs> That's what we need to do. That's right. I love the opening of the film, that digital pumpkin. It's a tribute to the first two. Absolutely. It's one of the nods. It's one of the things that ties them together. The score is unbelievable. It's moody, atmospheric. You're having that computerized digital pumpkin like appearing on the screen. I think it's like really cool. It sets the stage. I can't imagine what people in the theater in 82 were thinking when they were still expecting Michael Myers to be in this. Like, how is this going to all tie in? Yeah. Because this is even its own little tease because they're like, okay, well, the first two Halloween movies had a pumpkin opening. That's right. This one does too. They're going to tie in witchcraft because it's called Season of the Witch. You almost can't really blame people for being upset about it not being a traditional Halloween franchise movie because they kind of keep tying so many things from the series into it. It's almost like you're reminding people. Yeah. Like, hey. They wanted to have it both ways. They wanted people to recognize the name brand and thus buy tickets but then wanted to do their own thing unrelated to the first two. So they wanted to capitalize on the recognizability in the marketplace. Like, yeah, this is another Halloween movie, but it is a bait and switch. And yeah, I could imagine people being upset. We recently on this show have talked about films like Hereditary, Uncut Gems, and then in those episodes referenced other films that had bad audience reactions. And a lot of times... The number one reason is subverted expectations that are too subverted. You can always subvert in a good way, but if it goes too far and your audience feels like they've been tricked in some way or misled, it doesn't matter how quality the film is. It doesn't matter what it is. At that point, they feel like, this is not what I wanted. This isn't it. That was like when we went to see Disobedience in the theater. That was exactly what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) No, for us, but the rest of the theater... I think people liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't you didn't think people liked when they were spitting in each other's mouths? Well, we were cheering. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what they didn't like yeah. <laughs> was us standing and applauding. <laughs> the film opens on October twenty third in Northern California. Mm-hmm. And we're eight days till Halloween at this point. Yes, you can do the math. Yeah. So a lot can be said about the John Carpenter score. If there's one thing that's rough about the music for this movie. What are you talking I this, don't even want to know what oh, you're going to say. Oh, this Silver Shamrock song. Yeah, right. That's like one of the best parts. <laughs> Fuck you. They wear you down with it. Listen, I'm into it. Don't get me wrong. And I, I love you know, it. Every year of my life around this time period, I'm going around singing it, of course. I'm singing it all year round. But it is rough at a certain point. <laughs> this jingle. On November 1st, I'm like, 365 <laughs> days to Halloween. <laughs> Shop owner Harry Grimbridge has stumbled upon a terrifying secret. Uh Uh-oh. With 
a jack-o'-lantern Halloween mask in his possession, Harry is pursued by mysterious and threatening men in suits. An hour later, Harry collapses at a gas station where the attendant subsequently yeah. rides for help. So we, there's a couple of things here. He does get into it with one of these men in the suits, and the guy gets crushed between two cars accidentally. Right. Or I guess on purpose. Harry just is that much of a genius. Yeah. He somehow planned that out. I'm wondering how the audience is reacting to this opening scene. What do they think is happening? Because I'm still coming from the perspective that like 80% of them are expecting a normal Halloween movie. Like, what is this? What is going on? I guess on? it would be really tough to gauge like where this is heading. I do think it's a like a creepy opening, though, and it sets like a good tone for the movie. Yeah, you're definitely feeling those paranoia Something about, vibes. I-, I will say, gas stations at night, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Something that's clear through this series is a gas station is a bad place to work when he collapses at the gas station all he can say is they're coming Mm -hmm. on the tv at the gas station there's a couple of things to note first is there's a news story talking about a stolen piece of stonehenge which is hilarious because you might be imagining like a chunk of a rock or something like that but no it's like one of the huge runes it's an entire slab seems like a a really difficult thing to steal in a discreet way yeah they almost comically address that at the end of the movie yeah when cochran's like you never guess how we got it here or you never believe it and he's just like laughing or something at what point were the audiences getting restless i would have to imagine by the time they get to the hospital which is coming up they're starting to think what is this yeah do you think there were walkouts I don't know. It's so hard for me to gauge what people were thinking because I think if you go back and watch the trailer for it, it feels like it's the trailers are kind of clear about what they were trying to put out. Like I'm wondering though, heavy how many on the masks. The, like what are the percentages of people who didn't see the trailer? I don't know. It's so hard to go back and try to understand what people were thinking in the 70s, the 80s. I don't know. Matt always really good at improv. A lot of yes ending on this line of thinking. <laughs> I know it's just uh, things change so much and like the age of the internet has changed the way people are aware of things so much. So I'm thinking probably by the time we've reached the guy lighting himself on fire, (laughs) people are like, this ain't my Halloween. Yeah, this is in the days before Twitter, so it wasn't going to cause like a whole thing like the 2016 Ghostbusters or things like that. Yeah. We meet Dr. Daniel Chalice, played by Tom Atkins. He gets a hero's entrance at his ex-wife's house. (laughs) (laughs) Just coming in with those two greasy paper bags with shitty Halloween masks in them. His kids just excited to get something from their dad. This guy on a fucking doctor's salary, and it's like mom's still getting the good gifts. You know what I mean? You do wonder how up-to-date he is on the alimony payments. Uh, Yeah. Or the the child support. But it's just it's just negligence. You know what I mean? He's got the income. Although you are like, how many families does this guy got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he shows up with shitty Halloween masks, but they've already got the good ones from Silver Shamrock, the one that we saw an ad for in the gas station after the news story about Stonehenge. This had to be like a record-breaking year for Silver Shamrock revenue. Well, they were just inundating... Yeah. The entire country with advertising. Incredible marketing scheme. Dr. Chalice's ex-wife, Linda, is played by Nancy Keys, the greatest. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> she played Annie in Halloween, and we're both wildly in love with her. Just a firecracker. I would slit your throat for her. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's probably a lot of things you would say that about, though. <laughs> what exactly happens here? Does the phone ring and they reach Dr. Chalice at Linda's house? Is that what no, happens? I, no, he's, he page, he's getting a pager. His pager goes off. Oh, he is a pager? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it starts beeping and he's got to use the phone. Yeah. Who knew that they even had pagers in 1982? I, I didn't. Know. I might be talking out of my ass, but I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Yeah. So a call comes in. It's all related to Harry, which is funny because it's like, do they not have any other doctor? Well, it's a small hospital. He gets called in specifically for this guy that there's not really anything wrong with him. It does seem like a huge waste of time for him because right after he sees him, he's like, all right, what else? And they're like, well, slow night, not really any other patients. So go take a nap. So he's got to go immediately. He can't spend any time with his kids. Although you do wonder. And he tells <laughs> any Linda. excuse to just not. <laughs> and he tells Linda, and the face she makes when she smells his breath, oh. and she's like drinking and doctoring, great yeah. combo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a ball buster. I mean, what do you think this marriage was like? I think there was probably a lot of like, what do you mean the dishes aren't done? <laughs> Who's saying that, him or her? Her. All right. Well, that's less dark, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Dr. Chalice is clearly an alcoholic. It's a fun little character wrinkle. <laughs> not really sure what it adds to the movie other than uh, it making it great. <laughs> I think if Dr. Chalice was written as your standard oh, heroic yeah. movie figure with no faults, it would not be that great of a movie. Right. If he was age appropriate for his love interest in the film, it would also not be that great. I don't know though. I was a, a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, he is—he's kind of becomes like a James Bond like <laughs> character. I would say. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Cochran does seem like a James Bond villain. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually specifically wrote that down. Yeah. He does do all of the standard Bond villain moves. Right. Harry is brought to the hospital and put in the care of Doctor Chalice. He's brought in by that over talkative gas station attendant who seems like so nervous that you would start to be suspicious of him <laughs> at first you're like just, oh thanks for bringing him in and then he won't shut up and you're like well wait did you do something to him can't get out of there quick enough he's kind of <laughs> like doing that thing where he's telling the story and like you almost have to like reassure him i did the right thing right right like i should have brought him in here something seems weird about this right i gotta go i was told that i, I should always do the right thing unless there's gonna be trouble there's not gonna be any trouble is there it's like what is he talking about <laughs> The nurse is played by the same woman that played Elvira from Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. How about that? So I recognized her right away. I did not, although you did tell me that she was in Halloween 3, and you did tell me who it was, but it still didn't register. Harry is saying they're going to kill us all, all of us. Okay, let's get some Thorazine in this guy immediately. Harry goes to sleep. Crisis averted. Chalice is now just hanging around the hospital, grab-assing with the nurse Agnes. Insane. She's okay with it. I mean, it does Oh, yeah, seem they're like... very flirtatious in a way that is I definitely she 80s. She seems so old. <laughs> she's, not, she's not that old. Oh, come on. Come on. People don't die Maybe I'm just when falling... they're over 50. Maybe I'm just falling for the fact that the movie introduces this idea that it's okay that Dr. Chalice and Ellie <laughs> are a thing. He's got a wide net. Yeah. <laughs> he casts a wide net. Every woman in this movie yeah, is an option, much. basically. <laughs> the mysterious men who are pursuing Harry arrive at the hospital later in the middle of the night while Chalice is sleeping one off in the doctor's lounge. 
Harry is killed by one of his pursuers. It's a pretty gnarly way to die. It's the old really skull rip. Out. <laughs> yeah. just, just digs his like middle finger and thumb into Harry's eyes, and then just like digs in deep enough to like rip the skull open from yeah, the front. Yeah, that does kind seem of. like it would be a painful way to go. Now it should be stated that all of the deaths in Halloween Three are the fakest things you've ever seen. It is rough, although I will say 4K changed the experience a little bit. Yeah, it made it even faker. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that this guy who just killed Harry just wipes his gloves on that curtain, like wipes the blood off of his gloves. Feels unnecessary. Well, especially considering what he does next. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what difference does it make? <laughs> oh, man. Alerted by Agnes as to what has happened, Chalice is awakened and pursues Harry's killer into the hospital parking lot where the murderer enters a car, douses himself in gasoline, and then lights himself on fire, causing the car to explode. Folks, this is just me every morning <laughs> just in the parking garage before work. One of the hardest laughs of my life <laughs> when you said that when we were watching this together. And every time I watch this movie <laughs> and that part happens, it's just hilarious. I don't know. One of the top visual comedy moments of my life. It makes an incredible <laughs> gif. Do people say gif or jif? I always say gif. I say gif, but maybe it's because I hear you say gif so much. <laughs> I'm always talking about gifs. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess some people say gif. I always like to say gif. Anyway, it's a hilarious moment I in know. a horror movie. Just emotionless dumping <laughs> gasoline all over yourself in a car and then lighting yourself on fire to the point of it basically being an explosion. There's not a week that goes by without me threatening to do this in the middle of the office. <laughs> At work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Imagine working at this hospital. Some guy comes in, kills one of the patients, and then pulls this move in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give Chalice credit because he does seem to be the only one that's like, this is fucked up. Everyone else is kind of like, yeah. Especially that sheriff guy who we're going to get to in a minute. Just so dismissive. Like, eh. These whatever. guys just don't want to take a case, you know? The next morning, Harry's daughter, Ellie, played by Stacy Nelkin. The next morning, best, most incredible thing ever. Despite all of these police and firefighters being on scene, no cleanup of the car. No. <laughs> Just parts of the car spread throughout the parking lot. It was like it's incinerated. <laughs> they are memorializing that crime scene for all time. It's right, always right. going to be there. Ellie arrives to ID the body, and immediately Chalice is intrigued. Oh, yeah. Just a young chick, a little bit sad, easy target. This is my moment. <laughs> he sees a chick crying, and it's like, might as well be a bullseye. <laughs> is this my father? Ma'am, I wouldn't. Not yet. Let's get it over with. That's my father. What happened? Oh, some crazy man. Killed himself in the parking lot right after. Drugs, probably. Is He's that it? Retired. My father's dead because of some crazy... The whole thing is under investigation. Oh, bet. You've had a hard night and you've come a long way. When you feel better, I'll have some questions. And maybe some more answers. She is understandably upset, but the sheriff is pretty dismissive and just, he's like, 
I, I love when he's like, the whole thing is under investigation. Like, he just interrupts her. She's like, but wait. The whole like, thing's under investigation. <laughs> she's like, but isn't it weird? That he looks like he's 85 <laughs> and asleep when he's talking. <laughs> the whole thing's under investigation. Don't yeah. worry. He's like wearing jeans. <laughs> Honey, we see these all the time. Meanwhile, Chalice is putting his arm around her. He's like, you know. Grief gives me a mighty erection. Know what I'm saying, baby? <laughs> Want to grab a drink sometime? <laughs> the days just start flying by. It's Wednesday the 27th, so it's a couple days later. We're introduced to the pathologist, Teddy. I actually Googled, what is a woman's name that you would call them Teddy? And I guess it's Theodora. Oh, yeah. I was going to... I wish I would have got that guessing before you said it. Well, I had no idea. Yeah. I was just like, what name would that be? It's another uh, young lady in the area that Chalice has his hooks into. She's going to look into it for him because he's taking a special interest in the case. I wonder why. If Ellie didn't show up, do you think he would have just forgot about it? If Ellie was like a 50-year-old married woman, you think he's pulling some favors with Teddy? Probably not. I don't think so. Friday the 29th. Oh, boy. (laughs) Chalice... Just getting that morning cocktail this going over at that bar. Dark. This is, oh man, where my life is heading. What's great about this, besides everything, <laughs> just the fact that he's in this bar by himself, all the stools are up everywhere at the tables and everything. <laughs> it's just him sitting at the bar with the one bartender there, Chalice telling him like what to put on TV. Hey, can we get another channel? Right. <laughs> the bar is so dark it has zero windows by himself it seems like it's probably either the morning or the during the day or Just something like a shot glass of whiskey neat what a place yeah there's a show called horrors hallowed grounds i was telling you about this before we started recording That's i don't right. know where this thing would have aired originally it seemed like an internet thing or something because it didn't seem professional enough for like an actual show but they included it on the bonus features of the Blu-ray, when this host guy went to all of the locations of Halloween 3, and they okay. go to this bar, and they switched to the front of the bar, so it's like a giant window, so light does come in. That's a shame. But everything else is the same, including those bizarre portraits on the wall and that giant mural behind the bar. Oh, that's amazing. Everything looked exactly the same. It's called like the Buccaneer or something like that. If we ever do a... Uh... We need to go to Event the for the show and ask Clown Meetup. This is the place. Hopefully it survived. Oh, yeah, the, the pandemic. Pandemic right. and everything. <laughs> I couldn't believe it looked pretty much the same, except there was so much more light in it. Yeah. Which is a shame because yeah, it was so it. cool yeah. that it was dark. <laughs> they were trying to attract a different clientele than yeah. Dr. Chalice. I know I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but I was losing it again when Ellie shows up and and she's like, oh yeah, I called the hospital and they told me I'd find you here. Yeah. Which was making me laugh enough, but then I was like even going a step further like, and they said you'd be the only one here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of the nurses told me I could find you here and that you'd be alone, that you'd be drunk, (laughs) and that you'd be looking for chicks. (laughs) Before Ellie arrives though, there's a Halloween movie commercial on TV for the actual Halloween 1978 film. And so I'm sure at that point, if there were a few holdouts mentally that were thinking, well, maybe this is going to tie into... Right. Nope. He's a fictional 
character in this world. Yeah. That's how removed Halloween 3 is from the first two. This is horseshit. And did they have to did they do that as an easter egg or was it to tell people, "Listen, I don't know what you thought you were getting yourselves into, but let's be very clear right now. Michael Myers is just some fucking dude in a movie." Probably a little of both, but it also felt a little bit like they were patting themselves on the back because yeah. Tommy Lee Wallace does all of the narration for the Silver Shamrock commercials and for the big giveaway commercials and for this oh, okay. part. And it's like, the immortal classic. <laughs> They're referring to their own movie, is that? You That's know. right, yeah. <laughs> Ellie walks in and she's suspicious of what's happened to her father, of course, which is understandable. She wants to get the whole story. Not suspicious of Dr. Chalice's motives for some reason. No, and I would be confused, though, as to why... She's pursuing this narrative with a surgeon who met her father for a few minutes. Yeah, is is she in a lull in her life where there's no dudes hanging around? Well, I don't know. Have you ever heard of the police? Yeah, I know, but she's going (laughs) broke. A doctor who met him for two minutes and now all all of a sudden... She's launching her own investigation, though. The amount of engagement that she was getting from local PD was just not... (laughs) Yeah, case closed, honey. (laughs) He died. Yeah. BFD. What are like, we going to do about it? it? <laughs> no, the murderer is it's solved. That's Check. Right. <laughs> Done. What else do you need? But you would think that she's got some friend from college or whatever that she can take. No. Yeah. She references at one point going back to LA. And so she's, you know, a couple hundred miles, I guess, from. Okay, sure. Probably lives a sad life in LA. Not cut out for it. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting that from. I think she's thriving. There's just a lot of sadness there. Hi. Hello. My name's Ellie Grimbridge. I know. Dan Chalice. I know. One of the nurses told me I could find you here. I saw you at the funeral. Thank you. I'm sorry about your father. Did my father say anything to you the night he died? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He said, tell Ellie I love her. Well, a bad liar, but thank you anyway. Wait a second. I saw something that night. I don't know. Your father came into the hospital, and he... I thought he was crazy, out of his mind. He's hanging on to a Halloween mask. He wouldn't let it go. And what he said was, they're going to kill us all. And in a little while, he was dead. And I don't know what the hell is going on. Chalice is all in. He confirms her suspicions in certain respects. And so she takes him to her father's store, which seems to be some kind of a hybrid hardware general store, toy store. I'm not really sure what exactly it's supposed to be. Yeah, stores were just different back in the day. Yeah, you just had stores and they had storefronts. Right. You don't even see a lot of that anymore. No, no. A general store. This is our first look at the masks. There are three masks at the center of this film. A witch, a skeleton, a pumpkin. And they're made by the Silver Shamrock Company. This is all important because the Silver Shamrock ads are pervasive throughout the film, counting down the days to Halloween to the tune of London Bridge. I'm sure there's a little sample of that tune somewhere in this podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Just so people know what we're talking about. Ellie's on some Nancy Drew shit. She knows her father was headed to get more masks in Santa Mira. That's where things went wrong. 
just going through like his day planner to figure this out. A lot of towns in California start with Santa. They're all pretty great ones. I would say Santa Mira on that list. Chalice is just sort of nodding off while he's standing there because he's so drunk. <laughs> staring at her ass. Just like, what's going on right now? So ready to be sucked up into this. Yeah, he hates his life so much that any hint of an adventure. Oh, yeah. This, this is, is a, a midlife crisis times 10 going on. Definitely. <laughs> if something doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, it does. If something make doesn't it... happen soon, I'm going to make something happen, if you know what I mean, as he looks menacingly into your eyes. <laughs> it does make... Into his ex-wife's eyes. I'm going to make something happen. You understand me? I don't know. It does make the life of a middle-aged, divorced man seem like sort of desirable. I'm kind of into this. You know he's had thoughts about just leaving the state and not telling Linda where he went. Absolutely. Because he just can't deal with it yeah. anymore. He's ashamed of what a shitty father he is. And he just wishes they didn't exist. He hates himself for the fact that he just wants nothing to do with those kids. <laughs> a lot of self-loathing going on. I love that it cuts from the buildup in this store to Chalice on the payphone with Linda explaining that he can't see the kids because he has to go to some made-up conference. And- this is unbelievable. This actually might be my favorite part in the whole movie because I think the more times you watch it, the more you realize that this actually is like the third time. That <laughs> he's blown off his kids. Oh, he blows them off so many times I just know. in this movie. Yeah. And it's so insane that he just has like a six pack of Miller High Life sitting stationary in the shot while he's on the payphone. Yeah. Blowing off the kids. Obviously, Linda's been like waiting for him to. Be- I mean, she needs a break. She loves the kids, <laughs> but she needs her time too. And she's so pissed. He's blowing them off again. She knows that he's probably like running off to do something the lies yeah not even a good lie can't even come up with the name of a hotel that he's going to be at for this surprise conference that he's going to out of nowhere (laughs) how's she supposed to meet a new man i know she never gets a chance but then as she's starting to like poke holes in the story he's just like gotta go by (laughs) hangs up yeah the way that he grabs that six-pack and excitedly runs across the street like he's in high school with his first six-pack of beer yeah just desperate for pussy reminds me of some people i've known yeah i think i know them too (laughs) so pathetic running after this chick that's a good 25 years younger than him right she's young enough to be his daughter and he's buying a six-pack of miller high life and then like running to the car and you know those beers are for the road yeah because when they get to santa mira he immediately has to go buy a bottle (laughs) I could use a drink. Yeah, he's just... As if he hadn't had one in so long, as if he wasn't (laughs) pounding beers the entire drive up. These are road beers. They don't count. (laughs) God, he is unbelievable. And the craziest part is that in 1982, I can guarantee you that this was just supposed to be normal. He's not supposed to be a flawed anti-hero. He is just the hero. This is just life. Yeah, this is how every man was. Everyone who was a real man. The jingle from Silver Shamrock is everywhere. It's pervasive. So we go on this road trip. There's some fun ADR lines that were added in loop, obviously, because you just see the exterior of the car, and then they have them talking, and you can overhear them. And they're discussing Santa Mira. They're discussing the trip and everything. At one point, Chalice almost seems like he's reading from Wikipedia or something. 
because he just starts stating all these facts about Santa Mira and then Connell Cochran, Silver Shamrock, the whole deal. You pointed that out, and I, I didn't think about it before because I think oh, you do get used to watching it in like the age of cell phones where someone would just be like, hey, look up this town that we're going to yeah. and give me the highlights from Wikipedia. That's the way it seems, and then you're like, wait a second. What, where is he getting this information I know. From? Did he just pull out a fucking encyclopedia from the <laughs> glove compartment? Was there a brochure? Yeah, maybe about they stopped Santa at Maria? a gas station and there was like a little booklet or something. I don't <laughs> Come know. Come see Santa Maria, this old farm town with nothing but a toy factory. Santa Maria is an eerie town. All eyes are on the outsiders. People peering from behind curtains and whatnot. There's surveillance cameras. It's a factory town. Yeah. In the center of it, there's a massive doesn't seem, silver shamrock factory. It just doesn't seem like there would be the right economic infrastructure here to have like full-time surveillance cameras spread across town. Well, clearly, Connell Cochran is a man of means. That's right. And how he came across this money, I don't know, maybe he summoned payment <laughs> into the body of someone. I don't know. He just, he's a witch. That's right. That's where the title comes from. He's yep. the witch. Which... I don't think I ever even really understood the first 10 Same. times I even watched this movie. Well, there were times the watching this, even at the point in my life that I reached that I really started to love this movie. By the time they start explaining what's going on with Cochrane and Stonehenge and lightning bolts are coming out of computer screens, <laughs> I was just like not as checked in. Yeah, this is basically all an opportunity for Chalice to pursue what he wants, which is... A night with ellie yeah get all up in that <laughs> he but says it, that he's concerned about her father too but why i don't i don't really know well at some point she's like my father and he's like who <laughs> what are you talking about yeah. what are we here for so he comes up with this plan <laughs> because they drive to the factory and she says well i'm not ready yet which i don't know why i guess she's into it too she's like absolutely I just lost my dad. Maybe he can be well, my listen, dad now. <laughs> she sought him out. I think she went to that bar with more than just like, I want to know if what my dad said to you. Yeah. It seemed like there was a little bit more there, you know? <laughs> yeah. I would file Halloween 3 under romance. In I think the so. Movie yeah. section. <laughs> they found love in a hopeless place, as you like to say. Yeah. Instead of going into the Silver Shamrock factory to confront the situation head on, they come up with this plan to pretend to be a married couple and get a motel room so they can talk in private. That's... God only knows what they need to talk about. <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's that much that they need to figure out. There couldn't be that much of a plan. Yeah, because they don't even know what happened. They're like, okay, <laughs> her dad came up here to buy more masks, and that's when things went awry. We can't really track his whereabouts after that Let's until go he showed up at the hospital. Some questions at the factory. That's yeah. it. That's the plan. Let's talk. Meanwhile... Chalice hasn't had a drink in 15 minutes. Oh, and his yeah. hand is starting to shake. He's getting irritable. <laughs> we need to get indoors. <laughs> He's getting like a little anxious. He's like, all right, I need a drink. He and then needs he needs ca- to know where that next one's going to come from. He doesn't have, he's not very chill during this sequence. Zero chill from Chalice, I would say, at this point. I don't know. He, he freestyles pretty decently. Oh, he's with, good on uh, the fly. Rafferty, the gas station guy. Yeah. But like once they get back to the room, he's like, oh, I could use a drink. So where are you staying tonight? You want me to stay in the car? Like all of a sudden, the, the move is being made. No, that he was laying down a, a web like a Absolutely. spider in that yeah, moment. Right. He knew he he had that mapped out from the moment he hopped in her car. I'm he knew saying. exactly what he was yeah. going to say. 
Right, I get it, but he's getting the DTs a little bit. He's ready for another drink. I mean, you think he was going on a multi-hour road trip with this chick and he didn't have this all planned out exactly what he was going to do? No, absolutely. You think she's the first one that he's used that line on? Hey, let's pretend to be married. I mean, come on, I know the seeds are being planted here. The motel, the what is it called? The Rose of Sharon or something like that? <laughs> it's cozy, it's quiet, and the price is right. Sounds like a Kill Switch Engage song. Chalice finds Harry's name in the registry, proving that he also stayed at this motel. So it is possible that his daughter's just getting fucked on the same bed that he slept in. But okay. Wow, that is dark. The hotel manager, who also runs the gas station in Rafferty, he refers to Connell Cochran, basically the Brad Wesley really? of Santa Mira, as a true genius. <laughs> and that is not the only time that a character will refer to Cochran as a genius. And he may oh, very yeah. well be one. But I'm not sure what they're basing it on. The Cochran's fact that he makes toys? got these townspeople all wrapped around his finger. Those masks, they're not even that great. There's three of them. They do seem to be fairly high quality, but they're not the most inventive or original masks. No. And that's his big seller. That's the big thing. He's a genius for that? Whoa. Yeah, you do wonder what the success was like prior to this year. Well, he invented sticky toilet paper. Oh, that's true. According to Buddy Kupfer. Which seems like it would be a problem. The Kupfer family arrives at the motel. We have Buddy and Betty and Little Buddy. They are blown out American family. They're supposed to be as obnoxious as possible. I I remember the wardrobe person was specifically excited talking about the clothes that they got to pick for them. Just really ridiculous. Yeah. Cheesy. Marge Gutman arrives. Just a great name. Marge (laughs) Gutman. And... I do like that Chalice is a little flustered by this because he's like, oh, it's like a zoo out there. And you know he's thinking, are these oh, people yeah. potential complications in my plan? I don't want really? to get I, I thought this we were going to have this motel to our place. I was yeah. planning on making a lot of noise tonight. A little wrench thrown into the plans with these people arriving. That's right. When they first pull up to the motel, I mean, there's nobody there. And by the way, it's getting pretty fucking close to Halloween. I don't really understand what's going on anymore. The whole plot is lost. You have these people arriving in this town placing huge orders for masks. It's literally the day before Halloween at one point, and people are still talking about orders. I'm like, what are they talking about? Well, I mean, listen, they produced a shitload of these masks. After that advertising, they built up that demand. Yeah, I do love the smallness of the movie. Everything feels small. The town feels small. It feels small. It's a small cast. This is what I love about these older movies are like even in a small movie like all of this on location shooting yeah the motel rooms are small the stakes of this movie end up feeling small to me everything feels very small yeah and i kind of like that it's it feels very contained once chalice tells ellie that her father stayed at the motel and they start piecing some stuff together she starts getting excited that's when he says whoa whoa, whoa slow down i could use a drink <laughs> <laughs> yeah he doesn't want her to wrap up the case yet because he's got plans. That's right. We've and got- then we have the greatest scene yes. ever committed to film. Absolutely. <laughs> this place is a zoo. I saw Cochran, his car anyway. And your old man stayed here on the 20th. I was right. We'll go directly to the factory. Whoa, hold exactly- on, slow down, slow down. It's getting late. I could use a drink. Let's take our time. It's okay with you? To stay, I mean. I, I think these uh, clothes could probably hold out for at least one more day. 
Maybe I ought to get another room. That would look sort of suspicious, wouldn't it? What I mean is, if you'd uh, feel more comfortable, uh, I could sleep in the car. Be better on this floor, anyway. Where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? That's a dumb question, Miss Grimbridge. She's like, oh, are you okay with staying? And he's like, yeah, I guess, I guess these clothes could hold out another day, I think. Maybe I should get another room. Oh, I think that looks suspicious. Well, yeah, but it'd be more comfortable than sleeping on this floor. No, he goes, well, <laughs> what I'm saying is maybe you'd be more comfortable if I slept out in the car. Yeah. It'd be better sleeping on this floor anyway. <laughs> Where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? Well, that's a dumb question. Miss G- Grimbridge. <laughs> kiss <laughs> just so absurd halloween three theater over here oh god i love it it's one of my favorite scenes it stinks so bad and yet both characters th- seem to think that they're luring the other one in chalice is just like a master at seducing women though yeah he's giving out a lot of free mustache rides that's right <laughs> it's like i'm gonna trick you into inviting me to stay in the bed with you. So I assume they fuck right here and then fuck again later. And then she tries to even go for three. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? Ellie, <laughs> <laughs> just this insatiable thirst for Dr. Chalice. Yeah. That's what I think. Because the way they cut yeah. this, he ends up going to like get out to get that bottle of booze after they kiss. So you're like, well, did they have sex there? It seems like they must have. And then they have sex again later. Yeah, I think they would have had a hard time. Once they started to get it going. Yeah, I mean, just animal that magnetism. Heat of the moment, <laughs> passion. The town of Santa Mira has a curfew at 6 p.m. Weird. Which is not suspicious at all. <laughs> yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis's voice comes over a loudspeaker telling people to go into their homes. I'm sure one of the credits she's most proud of. Although she's probably not credited for this. Right? It is strange to me, though, that the stores are open because then they show Chalice. Walking out of that Shamrock store with his bottle of booze. So they're supposed to go inside at 6 p.m., and and yet the store is still open. I guess you have to live in your shop. I don't know. It it is strange. And he he encounters you on his way back (laughs) to the motel. my future anyway. (laughs) I'd like to think, I I would like to think I'm going to become a Dr. Chalice type, like that type of alcoholic, going on crazy road trips with 20 year old women. And then meanwhile, you're hanging out in an alley, scaring people, then being like, hey, that bottle looks heavy. That's right. Trying to go to a Rite Aid to like get a bottle of Listerine. Hey, I, I ain't got any diseases. You yeah, mind if I, I take a sip? I do like Dr. Chalice, though. He does recognize a friend in need. Yeah, Chalice's booze, yeah. <laughs> Chalice's booze brethren. He sees an opportunity, though, to potentially get some information from a local because everyone they've encountered so far is either coming from out of town like Marge or the Comfort family, or seems to be these robotic, scary, creepy people. That's right. So he asks this guy, this guy shit talks, Connell Cochran says he wouldn't get it, give him a job, that he brought in all outside people. It does seem like this would be a hard town to be homeless in. Yeah, well, everyone knows him, I guess. Yeah. And he threatens to blow up the Shamrock factory. Hey, uh, just a second. You, uh, you happen to know anything about this Cochran? Cochran. Do I know anything? He made Santa Maria what it is today. Dried up little pile of nothing. Let me tell you something, mister. He brought in every damn one of them factory people from the outside. You think he'd hire me, local boy? 
No way. Turn me down flat. If you haven't got a dollar you can spare, do you? Thank you. All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. You seen the TV cameras yet? He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Hey, Cochran! Fuck you! Shh, It's all right, it's all right, it don't matter to me. He's probably listening. If he is, I got one thing to say. It's the last Halloween for that lousy factory of his. Pretty wild shit going on in there. I, I, I heard rumors. Like what? What'd you hear? This year, I'm gonna get me about a case and a half of Molotov cocktails. Burn that son of a bitch right down. Last Halloween for them. Last Halloween. As soon as Chalice leaves, he's set upon by the men in the suits, and he's mm-hmm. decapitated by one of them just ripping his head off. Fairly easily. You realize that there is a supernatural element to the film, even if you haven't quite seen it yet. You don't think that most men in suits could just relatively easily pull someone's head off? I, I don't even want to say rip. It's really pull. Yeah. It just pulls no, his head off. I don't think that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they could do the skull thing from the beginning either, but that one, under like horror movie rules, you could almost buy. Yeah. This one, no. Something odd is going on here. Chalice checks in again with Teddy. <laughs> Always keeping a couple irons in the fire. Yeah. The first time they had their arms around each other, that was an yeah. in-person thing. That's right. Now it's he's calling over the phone. And the news is that Teddy is not able to find any human remains amongst the debris that she's sifting through from the explosion outside the hospital from the guy who lit himself on fire so obviously that's going to put a little bit of a a question into everyone's mind yeah but chalice has his mind on something else yeah it's a second romp (laughs) we got ellie coming out of the shower i know she's got her no nipple claws in her contract right if you were a woman, would you rather show your nipple in Halloween 3 or have your nipple sucked on by Tom Atkins so that it's not on camera? So I feel like my answer would be I would rather show my nipple than have it sucked on by Tom Atkins. But I think that if I was actually a woman, I would know the answer is I would rather Atkins. have my nipple sucked on by Atkins. Yeah. 
She's insatiable. I was wondering about this little number that yeah. I'm like, did she go out and purchase this in a <laughs> little shop in this town? Shamrock's secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got like this negligee. Right. They didn't pack anything. Yeah. In fact, the hotel manager almost was suspicious because he was like, oh, light packers, I guess. I guess she brought stuff because she's from LA. Did she bring this? I guess she was planning on having some fun yeah. while she was investigating her dad's death. If not you, Dr. Chalice, someone. As far as she knew, she was leaving L.A. to identify a body. She right. didn't know it was going to turn into this whole thing, and yet she brought this <laughs> silky black The sexy number. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> like a teddy. I don't even right. know what you call that. <laughs> Do girls even wear stuff like that anymore? It b- beats me. <laughs> oh, boy. She wants even more. She's going for what I consider to be at least round three. Just insatiable. And then Dr. Chalice, of course, picks this opportunity to ask, wait, 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 how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's so a already well-placed fucked question. her twice. Yeah, right, yes. <laughs> Better make sure this is all in the up and up. Don't worry, I'm older than I look. <laughs> He's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> so am I. <laughs> <laughs> Marge Gutman, in the room next door, discovers a microchip on the back of the silver shamrock medallion on one of the masks. So all of the masks, these witches, skeletons, jack-o'-lanterns, have this silver shamrock medallion on the back, yeah. which is actually absurdly big and would be annoying if I, that's you had what that I mean. mask. It seems like it would like weigh it down. Yeah, I don't know if it would weigh it down. It just is obtrusive because it's just so big right it's stupid looking confusing because why is there like an irish symbol involved with halloween Halloween, california you never know that's true (laughs) it's a good point as she curiously picks at it with a hairpin the medallion emits a laser which fires into her face not the best effect in the entire movie but not the worst either well that's true she's killed her face horribly mutilated And then an insect crawls out of her mouth. And in case you haven't realized at this point, this movie is terrible. (laughs) Just stealing my lines. No, that was uh, one that I could just remember from the first time that we did it, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) It made me laugh so hard. Because, like, up until that point, it had been nothing but how much we loved that movie. (laughs) And then you just dropped that bomb, and I, I still think about it to this day. It doesn't make any sense. It never makes any sense, even when they explain everything. The bugs and the snakes. Right. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, why? What is the plan exactly? I know. We'll get into it more, but yikes. (laughs) Could they just not think of anything better? (laughs) Yeah, I know. In the wee hours, men in lab coats arrive and take Marge's body away. In a silver shamrock van, Cochran shows up, assures Chalice and Ellie that everything is okay, but a man is overheard telling Cochran that there was a, quote, misfire. And this sticks in Chalice's mind. He goes back in Mm -hmm. with Ellie after Marge is taken away. They don't know that she's dead, but they are covering her face. It seems like she's probably dead. And yeah, Chalice is a doctor. That's right. One part that I think kind of captures the vibe of Dr. Chalice, and it really makes it clear what he's interested in when marge is blowing her face off with a laser right ellie and dr chalice are in the middle of love making 
And Ellie stops and goes, what was that noise? And Dr. Chalice just says, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's the hero of the movie. That's right. We'll take it one further. So when he gets into the motel room after this all plays out, she's like, oh, man, this place is fucked up. And Dr. Chalice is just like, you want to (laughs) leave? Folks, he's been drunk the entire time. He doesn't even know what's going on. (laughs) Why are we here? Where are we? No, that's the thing. The whole time she's talking about, you know, my dad and he's dead and I would like to invest. Like, he's not hearing any of this. No. All he's he's putting it like, okay, well, we could get to a motel. I could say like, oh, let's pretend like we're married. That's what's going through his head this whole time. She's trying to do this investigation, put these puzzle pieces together about what happened to her dad. And this is kind of where we realize all of that because it basically is like he has no idea why they're there. And he's like, let's just head back now. He wakes up in the middle of the night. It just starts having like a, a freak out where he's like, who are you? Who are you? He's like shaking her. She's like scared. That's right. Yeah. You're not Linda. Ah! Where are my kids? Yeah, I don't think he's been in bed with Linda for quite some time. The motel bed just soaked in urine. <laughs> we check back in with Teddy who is now really putting in the OT for Chalice. And I know. she says, hey, you owe me a lot of dinners. And this is like, his dick isn't even dry No, from fucking Ellie. And he's like, yeah, baby. When <laughs> whatever I get back you want. in town, yeah. we'll, we'll paint it red. Yeah. Pick whatever restaurant you want. We're going. As long as they serve booze, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> After this particular phone call, though, there is an indication of the phone being tapped. There's a lot of stretches with the technology. That in a weird way age better because now I think in 2021 you could probably buy some of the technology that they're trying to pass off in this movie. I think a lot of it is a stretch for 1982. The amount of time Cochran wants to spend on like surveillance, it seems like a bit much. Yeah, especially since it seems like most of the town is just falling in line. We never get a sense of what the town is really like. There's no rebellion building up doesn't seem like there's going to be any storming of silver shamrock factory yeah aside from the homeless guy we don't really know what the deal is he's got no army he doesn't (laughs) even have a head anymore chalice and ellie go to the silver shamrock factory the kupfer family is there as well they're going to get a tour of the kupfers because buddy is the number one salesman of the masks it's almost like the universal park tour and connell is treated almost as a minor celebrity, especially by the Kupfer family. There is an air of excitement when he enters the room. It's like as if he's somebody to even know. <laughs> Imagine thinking a guy like, that just made plastic masks again, was somebody cool. This is no internet. It's not like you can just look this up. Where are you figuring out who Connell Cochran is? He's a true genius. <laughs> Chalice, the ultimate improv man comes up with the incredible alias the smiths (laughs) well he's running out of energy he used most of his good ideas on how to get ellie into bed yeah he's running on fumes right now yeah he's actually probably thinking like how can i get rid of her on the way home (laughs) he's already thinking about taking teddy out to those dinners that's right begging to get back in bed with linda he's got a lot going on he's got a lot of irons in the fire he's got to get rid of this chick that's his his whole life yapping about her dad (laughs) (laughs) shut up he really is a small time con man 
when compared to Connell Cochran, who's a true silver tongue devil. He really spins a great story. He's always quick on his feet to keep this all moving. So ultimately, Ellie and Dr. Chalice accompany the Cupfers on this tour of the factory. Oh, I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Ah, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. I want that one. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Look over here. Those masks haven't been through final processing. This one has. Whoa. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> what final process? Don't ask me. Cochran, just what is the final process? I assure it's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Quality inspection, the seal of approval, you know, the usual. And of course, a couple of trade secrets. Oh, I'd sure love to take a look. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. Not even a peek for your best salesman? Oh, just one little look. Well, you see, Part of the inspection process involves volatile chemicals, very dangerous. Sure, I wouldn't want to put anybody in any danger. Oh, sure, I understand. Now, listen, I hope you and your family will be able to have breakfast with me tomorrow morning. I'd like your opinion on some of our sales material. My opinion? Oh, sure. Do you know he's one of the richest men in the country? And he got that way selling cheap gags and Halloween masks. Oh, God, there's hope for us yet. It's very valuable to me, you know. Your opinion has always meant a great deal to us over the last few years. Thank you, sir. Where's little buddy? Oh, there he is, running down. Ah, Into everything, always. (laughs) Well, we like to know everything there is. strangely familiar and there's another one they look an awful lot like the man who killed your father oh my god what that's papa's car wait ellie ellie don't, don't. Secrets. There's some mentions of final processing that needs to be done to the masks. We get a mask for little buddy. To your point, though, it's like, what are you doing, production right up until Halloween? Yeah, I know. Little buddy is buddy's son. And in the closed captioning, they always refer to him as little buddy, capital L, capital B. As if his name is Little, first name, Buddy, middle name. LB. Cupfer, last name. It is. LB Cupfer. It would be weird to have the name Buddy and name your kid Buddy. Yeah. Feels cruel. Chalice and Elian are under constant surveillance. There's always people around the corners. One of the big things in this movie is to have those stinger sounds from the soundtrack to be like, Beardoo! 
Oh, know, there's true, like a yeah. guy coming around the corner. It's not great. No. <laughs> it's never scary. Not the best use of sound effects. Ellie spots her father's car tucked into a random garage behind the factory. Which almost feels like an afterthought. <laughs> I but guess it's guarded by more men in suits. Because I, we're seeing the movie from Dr. Chalice's perspective. <laughs> At this yeah. point, he's like, who gives a shit about this car? Like, this means nothing. Yeah, he's <laughs> like slurring his words. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening right now? <laughs> now, the whole thing is stupid because you try to piece together what happened with Ellie's father, and we never know. It's not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre where there's like a ton of cars, and you're like, oh, well, they trapped all these people here. You are just like, well, they couldn't destroy the car. But it's like he must have shown up and then stumbled into the back room. And he's like, Stonehenge? <laughs> what is going on here? Obviously, he found out what their secret was. Maybe it was a misfire that didn't hit him. Okay. Like Marge. I don't know. We, we never get any story. So they just keep his car out almost in the open because it's a garage that they just open almost to like taunt her. Yeah. This whole scene is very weird. The little garage is guarded by men in suits. So... Ellie can't go up to the car or anything, and Connell is overseeing it, and the Cupfer family is witnessing it. Her reaction is very emotional. She's far enough away where I guess that Connell and the Cupfer family aren't really hearing what she's saying, but it's strange because it, it doesn't really make sense. It just cuts to them back at the motel, and you're like, well, how did that resolve at that point? All right. Clearly, she reacted to seeing it. Is that the first time that Cochran is like suspicious of them? Could be. Yeah. Was he buying that they were just randoms before? Nah, I don't know. I'm sure he's suspicious of anyone that comes rolling into town. You don't spend that much money on surveillance equipment yeah, and make point. your town have a 6 p.m. curfew <laughs> unless you're suspicious of everyone that comes rolling in. Back at the motel, the couple decide to flee Santa Mira altogether and contact the authorities, but Chalice is seemingly blocked when trying to call outside of town. It's a generic message of, like, the number you're trying to reach, blah, blah, blah. You know, one of those deals. Oh, yeah. The commercial on the television is reminding us that it's one more day till Halloween, <laughs> Halloween, Halloween. <laughs> We're going to get to what this all means in a minute as far as these commercials. I'll, I'll try to explain it at some point in case you haven't actually seen this movie. And even if you have, it's a little confusing. Sure. <laughs> Ellie is captured by the time Chalice returns to the room. And this is definitely a product of the time because there were no phones in the individual rooms. He had to go to the office of the motel and leave Ellie vulnerable. It's sort of a disappointing exit from the movie for Ellie now. This won't be the last time that we see her, but... Yeah. I don't know. And you don't even really see it. You almost feel like you missed a scene or something when you're watching the movie. Yeah, she's just gone. And Chalice narrowly escapes the men in suits himself. He knows where she must be, though. So Chalice follows to the factory. We get some Tom Atkins solo action sequences just running around the building. (laughs) These scenes are gratuitous in a way. You're like, what is happening? It's almost like he's playing secret agent man by himself, just like running around. He's boozing. He's got the women. I think he's got himself convinced that he What's is What's the deal like, here? Does Ellie have the car keys? Because why does it is he shocking. just leave? It is shocking that he's not It's like, well, we tried to find her dad. She probably went home. Yeah, he's justifying it yeah. even though he knows what yeah. happened. <laughs> Something's up. He knows she was like kidnapped and is in danger and he's just like, 
rationalizing it with himself. I'm sure she met someone. I'm going to apologize to Linda and try to patch things up. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to be a new man now. I don't want to know what's going on here. No. But he does break into the factory to find Ellie. I do like that little sequence where he comes across that robotic knitting woman where he thinks it's a real woman and the head too. rolls off. This kind of reminds so me of like a creepy Disney world. Yeah. The inside of the factory has a section that seems to be almost a museum to past animatronics Robot and toys. robotic yeah. toys and wind-up toys and all these like weird things. Calling them toys is almost like a misnomer. That's though. true. It's yeah, not yeah. Really, they're not toys. They're, they're animatronics. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Two of the men in suits track him down. He fights one of them. He actually overpowers them and starts punching him in the stomach, and that's when he finds out that they're actually yeah. androids. I guess Dr. Chalice is a little bit more man than maybe we thought. Oh, no, I didn't think. These droids pulling people's heads off, crushing people's faces, not breaking a sweat, and he overpowers them. Not wearing underwear. No. Just that greasy crack <laughs> right in the jeans. Yeah. We saw that firsthand in the movie. Just beaten ass. Yeah, that mustache. Fucking chicks. Yeah, like, this is a man. <laughs> Why shower when you can drink more? No, exactly. <laughs> Don't want to waste any time. Yeah. Because <laughs> we see Ellie coming out of a shower. We know that Chalice has not showered, and he's wearing the same clothes the entire time. <laughs> not wearing underwear, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> that was written into the script. <laughs> It is like one of the most shocking moments of the movie. It just takes those jeans off and you're like... Just no butt, like a straight back with a crack. Yeah. Just a rectangle with a butt crack. Just yeah. greasy. Really. <laughs> now he's killing robot men. With his bare hands, impaling the abdominal region. Almost like the movie Alien. Yeah, totally. That kind of a robot mm-hmm. with like liquid in it. Oh, he's got that weird liquid. Yeah, would you want to get that stuff all over your hands? No. Doesn't look like it. Cochran shows up, starts revealing a little bit about himself, and he also reveals that he knows that he's not Mr. Smith. Wait. He is actually Dr. Chalice. He knows everything. Way too much explaining from Cochran for me. Oh, yeah, coming up. It's finally Halloween morning. Cochran takes Chalice down to final processing. We see a network of computers and also the giant stolen piece of Stonehenge, which they somehow got into this factory in Northern California. They had to take the roof off, helicopter drop it in. Yeah, there's really no way that this makes sense. There's just <laughs> no way. There's no where that this built this room would be. Yeah. Because the door that the final processing is like a side door that goes to like the side of a building. It's, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but there just wouldn't be this giant room. Imagine being like as committed to anything in your life as Cochran is to seeing this plan out. And what a plan. Yeah, really. He does come off as a Bond villain because he starts explaining everything to Chalice. I guess he's surrounded by androids all the time. He wanted no personality. To yeah. Yeah, he just was like, Listen to this shit. I tell these guys jokes and shit all the time. No reaction. (laughs) Not even a smile. Right. There are microchips on each mask containing a fragment of Stonehenge. As Cochran tells us, there's a power. (laughs) Whatever that means in the Stonehenge. Even a fragment. And he sort of like ends the sentence that way. He's like, okay. 
So even a fragment of Stonehenge has I gotta some say, sort yeah, of power. You're right. It. I mean, Cochrane just kind of goes on and on. Chalice doesn't really take the bait. He's never like... He's like, all right, dude, my head is killing me right <laughs> now. Know. He's like it's puking. Like, Unless you're going to offer me some whiskey, I don't really care to hear any more of this. Upon viewing the big giveaway, which is the big commercial that's going to be airing on television on Halloween night, the one that all of these songs have been telling us about, tune in for the big giveaway after the horathon. That's what the whole commercials are. Oh, yeah. If you're watching those commercials with the mask on on Halloween night, the microchips will activate, killing the person wearing the mask with fatal brain damage from that laser, I guess, that we saw that killed Marge. Fatal brain damage? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's just going to blast a hole through your face. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Brain damage. And then somehow your face is going to turn to insects. And also causing a swarm of insects and snakes to emanate from their bodies and presumably kill those nearby. Not really clear on that part. Yeah, it would never work. I don't really understand. <laughs> Basically, the plan is like, I don't even know what the end game is. So It's he's a sacrifice. To what? That take comes over out of the world? Story. I don't know. He's going to take over the world with some crickets and some snakes? Witches just need to make sacrifices. It stinks because yeah. the bugs that come out that we end up seeing are like crickets and shit like that. It's like, okay, it's a stretch. That these rattlesnakes are going to be able to kill everybody. I don't, I, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> they at least are sure. venomous. Right. What the fuck are these crickets going to do? <laughs> Nothing. Except be annoying. Yeah, right. Keep people awake at night. I guess when they release them for the scene that's coming up, they couldn't contain them all. So like, the rest of the time they were filming there, it was like nonstop and it was so annoying. One of the things I was trying to figure out about like the grand plan, and supposedly they filmed multiple endings to the movie. And in one of them, I don't know, you hear all these kids screaming or something. And I wasn't really getting that because I'm just like, do they actually feel physical pain from this thing? I couldn't really tell. I mean, the kid that we do see died, it seems like it happens pretty quickly. And then it's just bugs. Yeah, he's not really able to scream because, you know, it's too intense or whatever. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, this movie is slightly daring in the sense that it wasn't shying away from violence to... Children, I know that yeah. people were affected by the death coming up in a minute because it is shocking for that time period. Sure. Usually in these like, type of movies, kids are safe. Right. It's not like the age of Game of Thrones where they were just like, let's kill kids every week. Yeah. Cochrane, feeling himself, decides to show Chalice a demonstration. And of course, the demonstration, the guinea pigs are the cup for family, buddy, Betty, little buddy. They're taken into a room. Chalice has shown all of this on like closed circuit television. There's like cameras filming them. He spared no expense on the technology at this yeah, place. Yeah, a lot going on. There's like a demonstration room. There's a television in the room. The family's in there. They think that they're just going to be giving feedback on some commercials. Ominously, he's like, I don't know why no one's interested in taking my order for next year. I always like to work ahead. And I was <laughs> thinking, theoretically, would they be releasing the same masks the next year? Is that what he's ordering? Well, if this whole thing is successful, I wouldn't think. Well, I, kn- I know, oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. in his just mind. Just from his perspective, right? Yeah, is that what he wants? It's just the same shit? Are people going to want to wear the same masks in 1983? Well, I some people one. can't see down the line, you know? I guess. They see something popular now, they think it's going to be popular forever. But long story short, they play the commercial. Little Buddy puts on his jack-o'-lantern mask, is killed, falls to the floor, 
His parents start freaking out. Bugs everywhere. His mother passes out. Crickets start coming out, and then the snakes, including a rattlesnake, which bites his father. His dad dies from a rattlesnake bite immediately, which would never happen. But the point is that they're dead, I guess. I don't know how the mom dies. She, I don't even think she's dead. She just fainted. Oh, she died Unless of shock. She had a heart attack. Yeah. Watching her child be murdered right That's in front right. of her. Couldn't <laughs> live long enough to ridicule her husband for being the fastest man to die from a rattlesnake bite. <laughs> There's a Halloween night montage. And they show us a bunch of different cities with kids trick-or-treating. I love this part. I'm, I agree with you. We talked about this before. I think they filmed this all in one place. Oh, yeah. It's all in California, right. of course. But um, they pretend that it's a bunch of different cities yeah, across the country. Yeah, they just pick random ones. I love the Los Angeles shot where they're like up in the hill and you see like downtown LA in the background. I can't help myself but wonder like what these kids are doing trick-or-treating up there. Kind of just seems like they're in the hills like yeah, where people would like, like a- hike. And it's super dark, too. Right. Which, yeah, I guess you're still trick-or-treating Yeah. That when it's that dark. It seems like very dark on some of them, though. Yeah. The coolest one for me, I like the Phoenix one because it's like all red, but it's right. very similar looking to the LA one. For sure. But unfortunately, it is a reminder of a little thing called time zones, <laughs> which make the end of this movie completely ridiculous. Well, I just took it that in this universe, the universe- one time zone. That's right. The universe where the original Halloween is just a movie. Yeah. We're living in a one-time zone world. That's the only way you could justify it. I know. Otherwise, I'm not really sure. It makes no sense. If Cochran didn't think about it, and Chalice is just breaking it to him now. Yeah, the East Coast, they get hit, but then no one else is wearing the masks, because it's all chaos. Cochran's been working on this plan for so long. Time zone. Yeah. What the hell? (laughs) Teddy... Back on the home front, still diligently investigating the fire, is murdered by one of the android men. I think they just included this to pad out the kill count. Just seemed like they needed another death. There's no reason that Cochrane's crew would need to be invested in this. They knew that Chalice was talking to her and they knew she was investigating, but... What's she going to find? If the android's instructions are to light themselves on fire, they had to know that it was a possibility that people were going to find out it wasn't <laughs> yeah. a human. So I don't know. It seems like you're actually risking further exposure by continuing killing people. But right. okay, I guess in their minds, it's not going to matter because they're going to be taking over the world with a few rattlesnakes in a couple of hours. Yeah, but just a drill to the head for Teddy, and that's it. Yeah, it's actually the most traditional... Like, slasher type, type uh-huh. kill probably in the movie you could see that being a way that jason would kill somebody or something like that right cochran locks chalice in a room tied up with a mask on before leaving cochran explains that he intends to resurrect ancient pagan rituals of sacrifice from the age of witchcraft from his native celtic lands if you're chalice <laughs> it's just like <laughs> all right dude <laughs> really my whole world is spinning right now. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I was going to come up here and be dragged into this shit. I don't even care if you kill me. Just give me a bottle, please. <laughs> and if there are no women around, just a copy of the latest issue of Hustler or something. <laughs> to no one's surprise, Chalice manages to escape. He actually kicks through the TV that they've put in his room right. to set off his mask. Uses a piece of glass from the television set that he broke to cut his way free. It's insane. The tossing 
of the mask with a simple flick of the wrist. Yeah, it's a one in a million shot to cover the camera with the mask. (laughs) That part makes me lose it every time I watch this movie because it just is the most insane. Like, just so... (laughs) Dr. Chalice is an unbelievable athlete as well. That's right, yeah. He escapes the room via the air vents. He finds a phone in the building to call his ex-wife Linda to try and warn her to have the kids mm-hmm. not wear the masks. Linda's level of trust with Dr. Chalice, not, not at an all-time eye. She just can't believe that he's disappeared again for this many days. Although, this can't be the first time, I would imagine. No, that's the thing. It's repeated behavior. That's why she she just can't buy it anymore. Who is it this time? Becky? Tammy? <laughs> Becky with the good hair? Brittany? Yeah. No, 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 I'm not drunk. That's what he says. Oh, I know. How many times do you think they've had this conversation? But I How do, many times have you had it? Yeah, well, for sure. I do love the angle that she takes, though, when he's like, make sure that you got to get those masks off those kids. She's like, because I got them a gift that they like, and you buy them trash. <laughs> Chalice rescues Ellie, who is tied up in a room by herself. Were you at all suspicious? The first time that you saw this movie or the first time you remembered watching it did it ever occur to you to be suspicious of what's what happens here no yeah me neither yet when you rewatch it 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 seems obvious yeah (laughs) we're just total marks we just buy into the experience we're not trying to overthink it they sneak into the control room and somehow chalice is able to activate the commercial to play on all the tvs around all of the androids he then pours a box of the silver shamrock medallions from uh-huh. a ceiling rafter. Cochran's lack of a like willingness to fight back in any of this. Yeah, he just accepts it. Yeah. He knows he's screwed. That's right. It electrocutes all the robots into deactivation. Cochran himself is killed by the Stonehenge rune, leading to a massive fire that destroys the factory. So this is the worst <laughs> shot in the movie when they're running away from the factory yeah. that's supposedly on fire. Looks terrible. Super fake looking. Obviously, I- they did not set the real factory on fire i did find myself thinking that this would just be a death curse for the town i mean this has to be the main employer although i guess on the other hand only robots work here that's true but i mean cochran's got to be the main source of any sort of economic growth there yeah but who are the people looking out from their own windows because don't you think he'd keep all the androids in the factory or yeah i don't know the shot of cochran as he's being lit up right before he disappears or he evaporates, is hilarious to me. Right. doesn't even look like Hurley, the actor. It's just, it looks like another guy. Just with that, like, hmm, like expression. <laughs> right. Almost like Kermit the Frog or yeah. something. I don't know. It's a weird-looking shot. It looks terrible. Honestly, once they leave the motel and Ellie's captured, the movie is terrible yeah i would have rather everything happen at the motel <laughs> absolutely yeah there's a whole version of this movie for me where it's just like they never go to the silver shamrock factory they just go <laughs> they give up on the investigation yeah Chalice it's just like, like a skinamax movie right exactly like a lot of sex scenes maybe like ellie tries it with a woman Ch- i, I want to see Chalice go back to town go out with teddy and then Really, actually, eventually make his way back to Linda. That's the movie that I want to see. Yeah, and he's like a private eye right. the whole time. Yeah. Except he never actually solves the cases. <laughs> yeah. He just tries to have sex with the women. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to get the hell out of Santa Mira. And so they're burning rubber in Ellie's car. 
But as they flee, Ellie attacks Chalice, causing the car to crash. Folks, she's an android. Whoa, no wonder she wasn't speaking Swerve. for the last 15 right. minutes. Should have put that together. Chalice was like, finally. Although I don't <laughs> understand this. Enough about your goddamn dead dad. Uh, I guess like the only way this can be a thing is the real Ellie is killed and they made a replica android, right? Yeah. It's not a guarantee that she's killed, but yeah. It, okay, it's right. supposed to be a duplicate. It's not where they turn her into a robot. Right, right, right. This is the homage to the body snatchers thing where they replicate you. Because that's basically what happens in body snatchers. A twin of you grows and then the original dies. Okay. That kind of thing. Yes. It isn't like they turn the original into something new. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Right. Chalice destroys the duplicate Ellie with a tire iron and then flees on foot to the same gas station Ellie's father stumbled into at the beginning, which doesn't make any sense, obviously. Well, I was like, how far is this gas station? I guess you don't know how far they've driven, but I didn't get the sense that they got very far from town. No, it doesn't make any sense because a couple of times he looks at the clock and it's inching towards 9 p.m. Yes, that's right. And that gas station obviously has to be in fairly close proximity to the hospital. Right. Yeah, it it doesn't really make sense. And that's okay, though. People have pointed that out before. I'm assuming they just didn't really want to use Who cares? more locations. We need to bring this guy back. This but gas yeah, if station they didn't attendant. have the same attendant, then it wouldn't be as suspicious. You'd That's probably true. not even notice it. Oh, yeah. You fall. You fall. Where's it's life and death? Hey, don't I know you? If it goes out, it means the death of millions of people, everyone watching. Don't you understand that? Well, say it's a bomb, then say say whatever you want. Say whatever you like, just get it off the air. Please, you just... No, no, I can't prove it. You've got to believe me, believe me. Take it off the air now, please. You've got to, it means... Please excuse the interruption. We're having technical problems. Please stand by. It's time. It's time. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Dark masks, gather round your TV set. Put on your masks and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns. The third commercial, it's still on. Please, take off the third channel. The third channel, it's still running. Stop it, please. For God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to... Please, stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 Chalice frantically calls... The television networks, which is only one number, and you only have to talk to one person, I guess. Who's in charge of all three? There's only three. Convincing two to stop the broadcast, but the film ends before we know if the third channel that the commercial's being broadcast on is stopped. This movie comes out in, like, 2003. There's, like, a thousand channels. Well, yeah, but... There were more than three channels in 1982. I think it was just that's the ones that they paid for, like the three main ones. 
They just all happen to be in sequential order. I did like that he's begging for them to get it off the third channel and there's a kid standing there with the mask on flipping it to the third channel and it's playing I he know. doesn't at least reach out and turn grab that kid's to, mask yeah, or like turn it back to channel two well the kid's probably not gonna do that yeah overpower be like get this mask off right i'm gonna get bit by a rattlesnake there were several solutions available so who did he call the king of tv <laughs> like who is it that can control multiple channels i know across the and entire country actually, presumably they're actually listening to him yeah, with this insane story. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, it's a a just ludicrous ending. But I love it. He's still yelling like, "Stop it! Stop it! Stop it!" <laughs> Credits, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> the ending music is awesome. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know if we can really count all of the nitpicks you could possibly have with this movie. If it's nine p.m. West Coast time. That means almost the entire country is already dead, I guess, or whatever. Uh, or all the kids that have the masks, anyway. Yeah. It's already traveled through most of the country, but they're acting as if he's able to pull it from these channels all across the country, and there's only one phone number to call, and that somehow applies to all of them. <laughs> yeah. I, How would you even find the number? Yeah, what number does he even call? I, I don't know. <laughs> Operator, connect me to... um TV King. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, patch you it right through because no one ever charge of all of television programming across <laughs> every broadcast channel. Why? So I can yell at him and tell him to fucking take this commercial off. There are a lot of flaws with the movie. Some of the stuff doesn't look right. The story is stupid, but it's a fun movie. It stands on its own. I think that it was judged super harshly yeah. because of the connections to the first halloween films and not having michael myers in it and just being its own thing i'm happy that it's grown its fan base over time and that people have discovered it the performances are fun yeah there is super cool stuff in it the vibe is cool even if the story starts to fall apart i think there's a good idea somewhere in there i'm making it sound like why would you ever watch this by saying that but meanwhile we love it i watch it every year (laughs) right I think it's super entertaining. I think there's like a really cool idea in there. The execution is not always perfect, but the character of Dr. Chalice is so entertaining and funny. Just a total dirtbag who's right. also a surgeon and an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. And if this was like the setup for most movies, I would be so in. Do you think that his kids got the masks off in time? I don't think he cares. Well, he called. No, I know. He cares. I don't know. It's a fun movie, and I think you people should check it out. If you're asking me what I think happens at the end, I would say, did Dr. Chalice get through to that person, and did they shut off the third channel before any kids were killed? You bet your sweet ass he did. They showed this movie at the New Bev probably about like 10 years ago or so as part of like the resurgence, and Tommy Lee Wallace was there, and... They did like a Q&A thing after and I saw like one of the first questions was so actually it was not even really from like the audience. It was just the guy hosting it. And it was like while he was sitting down after his introduction, he's like, so was she a robot the whole time or what? And some people have put that out there. But why? though? I, I don't understand what that would accomplish if she was right. a robot the whole time. Is Cochran trying to lure Chalice yeah. there for some reason? What that, would that all that do? would be doing is like putting the plan in danger <laughs> right. by luring somebody there that had nothing to do with anything 
I do understand that fads exist and things become popular and everybody buys into the same thing. I think I would be pretty bummed if every other kid was wearing the same Halloween costume as me. Yeah, I know. I used to show up in school with my new school clothes and it's like, if four other dudes had the same American Eagle hoodie as me, I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> well, you had plenty of reasons to be embarrassed. Absolutely. And still. So let's talk about Halloween, the series, and Halloween Kills Oof. very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, Halloween. Number two, Halloween three. <laughs> Number no. three, Halloween Kills. We're not doing the ranking. After this, they would, of course, go back to Michael Myers. It would take a few years. There was a gap, I think about five years or something like that. I think it was 1987 was Halloween 4 mm-hmm. with the return of Michael Myers. As we talked about in our Friday the 13th, give us a second. They sort of did the same thing at one point with A New Beginning. That's right, yeah. And then they had to like go, Jason lives. Like a separate trilogy. They didn't wait as long. There wasn't as much of a gap, but they brought back... Michael Myers, and that's sort of how it would go. They would get to part six, then they would start over again with Jamie Lee for a couple, and then Rob Zombie would take over. And now we've gotten to the most recent run, which would be the 2018 Halloween and Halloween Kills, which are sequels to only Halloween, forgetting every other entry in the series, including Halloween 2, which is usually included because... Halloween 2 was part of the H2O storyline. Yeah, and that's where it's revealed that Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' sister. Yes. There was a made-for-television scene added to the original 1978 version, which we talked about last year, where he had carved the word sister into his door, which is the first time it's mentioned. But in the actual canon, yes, Halloween 2. I was not a huge fan of the Halloween of 2018. I thought it was okay. Same. There were parts of it that I liked. I mostly felt like it was forgettable. On rewatch, I liked it a lot less. Just not that interesting to me. And Halloween Kills is even worse. Halloween Kills, I thought, started off on a pretty high note. And I knew that you weren't that high on it, but I was like, I don't know, man. I'm I'm liking this. Just from the intro, feeling like a throwback. And I loved them going back to 1978 and kind of redoing the ending of... The original, I guess, what becomes Halloween 2. Yeah, I guess we should remind people, spoilers, we're going to spoil some stuff from Halloween Kills, so if you want to watch it, check it out on Peacock or in theaters first, but we're going to actually right. do some specific details, I think. But I was into it in the beginning, and then even in like modern time, the first sequences in the bar with Anthony Michael Hall, I was kind of even like getting into that a little bit. Yeah, the nostalgia points are all fun. I liked seeing the girls on tv yeah it brought a face to like the victims i was like this feels more real right grounding it in a real world as if michael myers is just a crazy person although by the end of this movie that's you know clearly not the case it is a direct sequel to 2018 as in it picks up right at the end the same night the same night most of the people aren't even aware of what happened yet from the prior film they bring back virtually everybody who survived the first film. As far as characters, they did replace Tommy Doyle with Anthony Michael Hall. That's right. Again, I I was like, I'm digging the vibe in this bar. I'm digging all these characters showing up. But as it goes on, I mean, it just reached almost unwatchable for me. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people don't like it. It's getting worse reviews. 
than the 2018 one for sure. It ends up being this weird commentary on mob mentality, like mob justice, which is an interesting thing, but I'm not sure what that has to do with Michael Myers or Halloween. It feels out of place a little bit. The tone is weird, and it kind of goes all over the place. Frankly, it almost devolves into the worst of the Rob Zombie stuff, which is just brutal yeah. kills that go on forever, and you're just that, rolling your eyes like at There's no feeling point. in it at all. You're not shocked. You're just sort of off-put by it. There were parts of this movie where I felt like the actors didn't even want to be in it. <laughs> like the, It just felt like... Not through most of the movie, but there were just certain scenes where I was like, man, just really not caring. Jamie Lee Curtis isn't even in it all that much. I'm not talking Halloween Resurrection level, but not a ton, for sure. She's not really the main character in any way. It ends up being mostly Judy Greer at a certain point with well, Michael. I did uh, enjoy still. I enjoyed yeah, Judy Yeah, I like Greer. Judy Greer, but... The story just goes nowhere. The ending is insane and stupid. It it turns into almost like death proof at one point and of course means nothing in the end because Michael's still alive. You do have this feeling of like, okay, well now it just seems like everybody in this town would be dead. The body count in this movie. Yeah, it's a super high body count. It does seem like kills for kills sake. It's very bloody and violent. Just not great. I know. Don't know that I would have ever thought that I would be coming to this conclusion after these first two films, but I think the Rob Zombie Halloweens are way better than these David Gordon Green ones. Yeah. And I don't even really like Rob Zombie's first one all that much, but I like both of them probably more than these two. Yeah, it's been a while for me for the Rob Zombie material, but certainly based on how I felt after watching Halloween Kills, I feel like I would probably be in that camp as well. Of course, Halloween Kills is a big hit, and there's going to be a third one in this trilogy, Halloween Ends, which I guess is coming out next year. I don't know. I can't imagine it'll be great, especially since they filmed it at the same time as Kills. As much as it pains me, because I love the Halloween franchise, and I, I, I love to see them, and I love to talk about them, and rank them, and discuss them, you start to get the feeling that there's just not anything left in this franchise. There's no reason to keep doing this. No. Especially if you're going to just keep on the Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. track. When they first brought it back, I liked the idea of the 2018 one, like having Jamie Lee Curtis being almost like this Terminator 2 Linda Hamilton right. type character. I thought that was a fun wrinkle, and I do enjoy parts of the movie for that too, but there was just not a lot there beyond that. Yeah, as unpopular as it may have become in certain circles, and I know that John Carpenter, who actually wrote Halloween 2, ultimately was not a fan of it. I just think that the brother-sister thing is the only thing that keeps it going at a certain point. As dumb as it is, as weird as that is, it almost seems like a dumb Empire Strikes Back style copycat of just uh -huh. like, oh, the brother and sister. Like, okay, that doesn't make any sense, but right. okay. <laughs> if you don't have that connection, then what are we doing? He's really going to get out of this asylum for 40 years and then come after her? Like I don't know. It may have been dumb and cheesy, but I think that without it, I don't care as much what happens. Yeah. And I didn't realize that after 2018. It took me both of these to come to that conclusion of like, you know what? That's what's missing from this. I just don't know what they're even saying anymore. What is the connection yeah. between these people? And I know you can say this about like most of the franchise, but 
I don't really love the like unbeatable monster thing. Like, I like a scary killer that's fucking people up, but it's, when you can do anything and everything to this being and he's just not going to die. Well, they were doing that even in the first movie, though. Yeah. I mean, he gets fucked up a lot and he's fine. Yeah. He walks away after getting shot six times at the end of the movie. Well, that's true. It's just that they go too far this time. Right, The yes. ending is so absurd. Once you see it, if you haven't seen it, you'll know what we're talking about. You push it too far with that idea. Right. What else could they possibly do? You're going to have to like cut his head off, I guess. Which they did do in H2O. And, and then they it had wasn't a switcheroo. Him. Yeah. <laughs> God, the beginning of Resurrection stinks. Right. I would say Halloween Kills is the third worst. And I'm I'm saying that definitively. That's it. Resurrection is the worst by far. Then Halloween 6. Yeah. The Curse of Michael Which Myers. It's just so, so, so bad. But Halloween Kills is actually worse than... Everything else. 5. The Rob Zombies. I don't like Halloween 2. Some people would have that high up, but... I like Halloween 2. I love 4. And obviously we love 3. Right. Because of... Because it's great. Yeah, we just talked about it forever. So let's wrap it up. Happy Halloween, everyone. Thanks so much for hanging in there with us. I'm sure um, that no one is stuck around this If you have, though, I just what a great way to end Greatest October. (laughs) Revisiting one of our favorite movies and one of our favorite movies to talk about. The legend, Dr. Chalice, in full effect. (laughs) Yep. Getting smashed and crushing ass. (laughs) (laughs) The Dr. Chalice way. So follow the show on Twitter. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review if you get a chance. Let us know if you'd like a sticker or have a listener request. Find us on Letterboxd, Act 1983. Matt Crosby, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We'll be back soon, though. It's not going to be a big whole thing like November's past. So thank you for listening. Happy Halloween, and we'll talk to you soon. Oh, my God, it's Halloween. Wish I had a friend with me. Every year, I'm all alone. I have no reason to leave my home. Bought a costume, that's really funny. But why dress up if I have nobody? Lonely Halloween. It's a lonely Halloween. Lonely Halloween. No one hears me scream. I want to throw a house party and stay out super late. But instead, I guess I'll just get drunk and monster masturbate. Trick or treat, treat or trick. Wish a vampire would suck my blood. Ghouls and ghosts, don't scare me because there's nothing worse than being lonely. This is it, spooky time. I'll wait all night and start to cry. Why does God punish me? I suffer each day, I live and breathe. Lonely Halloween. It's a lonely Halloween. Lonely Halloween. Someone put an end to me. Please end my suffering. I said, please end my suffering. Please end my suffering. (coughs) (coughs) What's that? Who cares?